The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 12th chapter. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Then he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved people graced you in peace from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We've probably all had the experience of walking down a city street and seeing a tired, disheveled-looking person sitting on the sidewalk, holding a sign and maybe a cup. This person often has most of his or her worldly possessions in a backpack or a shopping cart. We know this scene. We've all been in this scene probably more than once. I want you to imagine it now with a bit of a twist. I want you to imagine that the sign being held, rather than asking for money, invites you to take whatever you need. Take money from the cup. Take any possessions you need. I am here to share. I would be surprised by that sign, wouldn't you? It would subvert my expectations and challenge my assumption that I am the person with something to offer. I am the person who holds the power. I would definitely look twice if I saw that sign. I think our gospel story is a bit like this. In it, we meet a widow. We aren't told much about her other than she is poor. But given her place in history, we can make certain assumptions. She probably had little access to any economic power, which made her vulnerable, in need of social connections and assistance. In Jesus' time, it was not uncommon for widows to be seen as beggars. But not this widow. Instead of asking for help, she was offering what little she had. Jesus took notice of her, perhaps because her actions surprised him, or maybe he noticed her because her humble gift stood in such stark contrast to the opulent surroundings of the Jerusalem temple where this story takes place. This was no backwoods Galilean synagogue like Jesus and the disciples were familiar with. The temple in Jerusalem was a massive structure, the crowning project, the ego project of Herod the Great. The architecture and art of the temple was meant to signal wealth and power and glory, everything Herod valued. It was his palace. And it had given rise to a whole class of religious aristocracy, 
With their Ivy League education and their fancy clothes, the religious leaders enjoyed a kind of celebrity in Jerusalem. We all know how intriguing celebrities are, how our eyes are drawn to their every movement. But Jesus' eyes were drawn to the widow. He watched her as she took out her two coins and put them into the temple treasury. He found her remarkable. That is, he remarked about her to his disciples. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow put in more than those others who are contributing. For they have contributed out of abundance, and she out of her poverty put in everything she had. This is one of those times when I so wish I could hear Jesus' tone of voice. Because this statement could have multiple meanings. For centuries, this widow has been the poster child of church stewardship campaigns. You know the message. If this poor widow can give sacrificially, so can you. Cough it up. (laughs) But Jesus doesn't actually say that. He doesn't praise the widow's actions. He just remarks on them. Given the context, his comments may have just as easily been intended as a scathing critique of the temple system, which devoured widows' houses. He may not have been saying hooray for the widow as much as he was saying, shame on you for profiting from the poor. Stop taking advantage of the vulnerable. This kind of sounds like Jesus when it came to his relationship with the religious leaders. Maybe he was saying both things. Bible scholars and interpreters of scripture have gone round and round on this one. Yet in the middle of the debate stands this widow. My eyes continue to be drawn to her. Now I don't know much about her, but I have known a lot of widows in my life. They are the backbone of many of the congregations I have served. And I have found them to be among the most devoted, resilient, courageous people I've known. This includes many of you sitting here today. So when I look at this widow, I see her through the lenses of the widows I have known and loved. I see her as one who probably had a lifelong habit of generosity, of contributing to her faith community. Someone who had a radical trust in God for her well-being and her future. If she was like the widows I know, it was not the loss of a husband that defined her, but rather her relationship with a living God. When I read this story, I see someone who knew who she was and how she wanted to live. I see resistance. I think she resisted the message that she should cling to every penny she had because she didn't have enough. She resisted thinking of herself as a diminished victim with nothing to offer. She resisted despair and apathy and cynicism. I see her as one who lived according to her values, who would not stop contributing just because the religious system of her day was corrupt. Maybe she knew that her giving was a sign of her gratitude to God and not a measure of whether she liked the priests. Maybe she was wise in that way. 
Maybe she knew the words of Psalm 146, which we heard this morning. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. Maybe there was nothing, not even poverty or corruption, that could get in the way of her determination to praise God and to live as faithfully as she knew how. I had a conversation with a dear friend this past week. She's Jewish and was shaken, as many were, by the synagogue shooting in Pennsylvania. We talked about the cumulative trauma and fatigue that many Jews have carried for generations and how a hateful act like this stirs it all up. My friend said something that I have hung on to. She said, I don't know what we're going to do about all the haters, but I know I won't let them rob me of my joy. This is the kind of resistance I see in this widow. And it's the kind of resistance we are invited to practice as those who walk in the way of Christ. We follow a Savior who gave all that he had to give. He did not cling to his power or his status or his might. He resisted the path of glory and status, even though it was the path that some of his dearest friends wanted him to take. He shared the love and grace of God generously with a sense of divine abundance that there was enough for everyone. He embodied the words of the prophet to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Because of him, we are freed to do the same. Saved by the generous grace of God and claimed by Christ, you and I are free to live, not with grasping hands, but with open hands and with open hearts. We are empowered to resist the messages of fear and scarcity that shout at us from every direction. We are free to live generously and with a sense of security trusting the promise that come what may our future is safe with god thanks be to god amen as we sing you are invited to hold up your prayer cards and the ushers will gather those from you <laughs> <laughs>